This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, we thank you so much for your wondrous word. And Lord, we do pray that your word would do its work in us, cleanse us, give us light, give us direction, give us hope, Lord, point us toward heaven, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 23, I'm going to just read uh, this portion here, we're not going to be covering all this, but just give a little bit of the background, 2313, but woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer, therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold, more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, you blind guides, which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it's nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he's a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gold of the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it's nothing, but whosoever sweareth by the gift that's upon it, he's guilty. Ye blind, ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift, whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon, and whosoever shall swear by the temple, sweareth by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. You blind guides would strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. 
Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like the whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets, garnish the sepulchers of the righteous, and say, if it had been in our days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, you be witnesses unto yourselves, that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? A very pleasant passage. This, um, leading up to this passage, has been a very long day for the Lord Jesus as he has entered into his temple, into his house, and found it to be, as he had said in the past, taken over, hijacked, kidnapped, and become a, a den of thieves, as he calls it, robbers. He came into his temple, he found those profiteering by selling sacrifices to the people. He cleansed it already in Matthew 21, 12. Matthew 21, 12, Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and brought bought in the temple, overthrew the tables of the money changers, the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, it's written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. That's how he saw his temple, as converted into a den of thieves. And now he's returned to his temple, and he finds a new den of thieves. This time, the thieves are not stealing the money from the people by overcharging for all these sacrifices, but they're stealing the actual souls of the people. And now this new group of thieves have now emerged to try to destroy Christ with one successive wave of attackers after another, as we already saw in chapter 21, verses 15 through 16, it was the chief priests and the scribes that came challenging the fact that the children were praising him. In chapter 21, verses 23 through 46, and 22, 1 through 14, it was the scribes who had retreated and now were replaced by the elders with the chief priests who challenged his authority. By what authority doest thou these things? And then in chapter 22, verses 15 through 22, it was the scribes and now a new group, the Herodians, who came in to try to take Christ down by challenging his position with regard to Caesar. And then in chapter 22 through 20, chapter 22, verses 23 through 33, it was the Sadducees who now emerged and wanted to invalidate Christ, cancel him by challenging his position on the resurrection of the dead. And then in, in the last chapter, 22, verse 34, it was a Pharisee lawyer who came up to the came into the ring here to challenge his position with regard to the law, the Torah. And then came this great pivot point when the challenged became the challenger in verse 42 of the last chapter, 2242, when Christ challenges attackers with one question, 
what do you think of Christ? What think ye of Christ? What do you think about the Messiah? Now, in chapter 23, where we are now, the first 13 verses, first 12 verses, should say, the first 12 verses there, he pivoted again, and this time addressed the audience who had been the audience of all these attacks and all these attackers, and he guided them on how to respect the scribes and the Pharisees because of their position sitting in Moses' seat, but he warned them, don't follow their ways. Their ways are hypocrisy. And specifically, he told them to watch out for the scribes and Pharisees in verse four, chapter 23, verse four, verse four, where he says, they bind heavy burdens, grievous to be born, and lay them on men's shoulders. So he told them that this is what they're gonna do, and then he explained to them what was motivating, because everybody was a little shell-shocked at all these attackers that are coming on. So he turns to his audience. It's kind of a dramatic scene. It's almost like he's on the stage of these attacks, and then he turns to his audience and addresses them and says, this is what's motivating the scribes and the Pharisees in verse five. Verse five, he says, all their works they do for it to be seen of men. They're on a stage, and he's telling them that the scribes and Pharisees are out for, uh, for, for praise, for attention. And all the while that this is going on, the scribes and Pharisees are sitting there listening to him. They're listening to him. And so then in his very characteristic way, Christ again pivots in his very direct way, and he speaks now to the scribes and Pharisees. He speaks now to the scribes and Pharisees, and it's as he's done in the past when, as Jehovah Jesus in the Old Testament, when before a judgment fell, he sounded the trumpet of warning. When Jehovah Jesus would sound the trumpet of warning, for example, what he did in Zechariah 9.14, Zechariah 9.14, it says, the Lord shall be seen over them his arrow shall go forth as the lightning, and the Lord shall blow the trumpet and shall go forth with whirlwinds of the south. So the trumpet sound in the Old Testament was like an air raid siren today. It was designed to make people afraid of the danger that was coming. And this is what he said in Amos 3.6, Amos 3.6, shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city and the Lord hath not done it? So when Christ now turns to the scribes and Pharisees and says all these uh, woe unto you, eight times he said woe unto you, each time he's looking at the scribes and the Pharisees and when he says woe unto you, it's like he's putting his lips to the trumpet and he sounds this alarm to them. You are in great danger. And just like the air raid sirens today in Israel, when the blast signal is heard of the air raid siren, people run for shelter because they know the attack is coming. So when Christ says to these scribes and Pharisees, woe unto you, that was their signal for them to run to hide from the danger, and there's only one hiding place. There's only one safe place for them to go, and that's in Jesus Christ. As David said in Psalm 32.7, Psalm 32.7, he said, 
Thou, he said to God, thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. So in this chapter, this is a tough passage to read, eight times when he says, woe unto you, he's looking at the scribes of the Pharisees and he's realizing they have no hope outside of himself. And so when he's saying woe unto you to the scribes and Pharisees, there's a great compassion that he's saying this to them because he's also positioning himself as the hen to the scribes and Pharisees who are like the chickens that are in danger and he's wanting to protect them. He's wanting to call them because it's in this very same chapter that he now calls the scribes and Pharisees, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And now in this, after he said all these woe unto you from the 13 to 33, in verse 37, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. So if the scribes and Pharisees were gonna come to Christ, they must hear Christ saying, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, and each time he says that, it's like a thunder rolling. It's like a lightning flashes, like at Mount Sinai. This is what happened at Mount Sinai in, in Exodus 19.16, Exodus 19.16. It says, it came to pass on the third day of the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled and Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God and stood at the nether part of Mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole Mount quaked greatly. So when Christ is saying all these things, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, it's the thunder, it's the lightning. And this seems so out of character for Christ this is not the Christ we have known so far in Matthew. The Christ we've known so far in Matthew has been the Christ of uh, Matthew 9.35. Matthew 9.35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That's the Christ we've known. The Christ we've known so far has been the one of Matthew eleven twenty nine, Matthew eleven twenty nine, where he says, take my yoke upon you, learn of me, I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest in your souls. That's the Christ we've known so far, the meek Christ, the gentle Christ, the rest-giving Christ. He's been the Christ of John 7, 37, John 7, 37, the one who says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now, that's what makes this passage all the more serious when the Savior says to the scribes and Pharisees, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, each one of these woes is like he's saying, there's no remedy. There's no remedy. You are without remedy. It's a terrible thing to say without remedy. It reminds me of friends that, that I've known who've had cancer or have cancer, 
and they've went through one round of chemo after another round, one cocktail where the, the oncologist will say, okay, well, we haven't tried Christine, so we're going to add Christine to the cocktail. We're going to do adriamycin. We're going to do methotrexate, whatever. And it's one after another. And then finally, the cancer's not stopped. I remember when my wife Cheryl was in Thornton Hospital for her leukemia for 30 days. She went through one round after another of chemo. And when they discharged her, the cancer had spread all the more through her bones. And they said, we have no remedy. We have no remedy. When she left, the nurses on the floor were crying. I wasn't crying. I was glad to get her back home. But as they were saying goodbye, they were crying. And meanwhile, Cheryl's telling them, don't worry, I have eternal life. (laughs) She was telling them, great, Cheryl. Anyway, they were crying because they knew that as far as the leukemia was concerned, there was no remedy. There was no remedy. No remedy means no cure. And that's what it was like when Christ was telling these scribes and Pharisees, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Sin had reached a point where God said, there's no remedy. As he told Israel before the judgment of the uh, Babylon, Babylon taking them, in 2 Chronicles 36, 14, 2 Chronicles 34, 16, moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent unto them as messengers, rising up the time, sending, because he had compassion on his people, on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. No remedy. Second Chronicles 36, 15, no remedy. So Christ calls the scribes and Pharisees several times in this passage, but we're looking at verse 13 now. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. That's the description that he gave for them, hypocrites. The literal meaning of that Greek word, hypocrite, means a person who is a player in an act, a person who's an actor in a play, he's an actor. They were just actors. He was saying to them, the scribes and Pharisees, that they were just actors in a play called religion. It was a play called religion. Like an actor, the scribes and the Pharisees acted out their part that was really not them, but they acted it. I mean, they couldn't be the people they were acting to be on the stage of this play called religion, and they were just acting their part like all players. They were being paid for it to act their part, and they didn't want to be the person that they were acting out on the stage like an actor in a play called religion, like when the play was in Truman Capote's in Cold Blood. You know, the actor doesn't want to be that person, but he acts it, he gets paid for it, he gets paid for doing his job. He's impersonating, he's just, the actor is just impersonating the characters. This is a play called religion. And for any hypocrite, any actor, just being an actor, Christ has, has one statement for the play actor, for the hypocrite, and the statement is, woe, woe to you. Now, who are these uh, characters of the scribes and Pharisees impersonating? Who are they play acting? Well, the scribes and the Pharisees, the priests, the elders, 
they were supposed to be and they were acting out as if they were helpers of God. They were acting out as if they were taking care of God's business, as if they were assisting God in God's business. What's God's business? God's business is Hebrews 10, 19. Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. That's God's business. God's business is very simply put in that Hebrews 10.20 verse, Hebrews 10.20, a new and living way. Jesus Christ said in John 14.6 that he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So when he said, in John 14, 6, I am the way, and that no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He was talking about himself being the Hebrews 10, 20, new and living way, new and living way. He was the new and living way into heaven. The old, as opposed to not new, but the old, not living, but the dead, the old and dead way into heaven was Deuteronomy 8.1, Deuteronomy 8.1. This is the way that's vanishing away, Deuteronomy 8.1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that you might live, that you might live. The old and dead way into heaven is the way of keeping all of God's laws perfectly. It's called the way of works. It's the old and dead way into heaven because no one can keep the law perfectly except Christ. The way of the law is dead because Romans 3.23, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So the old way is a way of failure because we all failed because we all sinned and that put us on the way of death. But this is opposed to the new and the living way, which is what Christ opened up for us by his blood, when it says in Hebrews 10, 19, 10, 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Christ, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, so which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. So the veil, what's the veil? The veil was the thick curtain that blocked the entrance into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle where God was. It blocked the entrance to God. So the new and living way that Christ has opened up was through that barrier, through that veil with his blood. So to hear that there's a new and living way, that sparks interest, that sparks excitement, that sparks a spirit of, what is this and why don't we try this new and living way? It reminds me of the, of the settlers in the 1800s who were coming from the, from the east to the west coast and they used the, the old way, the so-called Oregon Trail, which uh, was a hard trail and one in 10 people died on that trail. They died of, of dehydration, they died of malnutrition, they died of disease, mostly of disease or they were trapped in the snow. But there were these reports at this time of new ways 
of the Santa Fe Trail, of the California Trail, where the settlers, when they got to Missouri, to St. Joseph, Missouri, they had to decide at that point which trail they're going to take to try to make it to the West Coast. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.